Welcome to the Siva Poultry Sounds podcast. In this podcast series, Siva brings you the latest technical information about disease prevention, control, and management, and provides insight from poultry industry experts. Tune in to follow our content and be a poultry specialist. So, hello, poultry friends. I'm really happy today to visit Padova University in Italy to receive interning with experts. Matias Sekinato. Hello, everyone. And Matteo Lenagdi. Hello. And we are going to discuss a little bit about boom board disease, uh, how to monitor it, and of course, the studies and the, the results they are having here in the, in the university, uh, doing a lot of uh, analysis on course samples to understand better, of course, the challenges we have around the world. Welcome to Talk With Us in Turn of Experts. I'm really glad to receive both of you today in our conversation. To start our conversation, Matia, I would like to ask you uh, to, to tell us a little bit your point of view about the current situation of Bumburu challenge around the world. So for sure, uh, infectious bursal disease uh, is one of the most impactful uh, disease uh, of poultry and uh, it represents a problem for all sector and production system around the world. Anyway, it uh, may be a lot of difference due to the heterogeneity among IBDB strain with the stem strain that are uh, limited to one region or one area. And for this reason, uh, um, I think it's uh, really important uh, to, um, to have a, a, a good understanding of the epidemiology of IBDV in order to control better the disease. And we are here today in the lab when all the magic happens to, to discover the, 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 the samples or to, to discover the, the, the strains that are inside, what is really going on in the field. And I know that to receive samples, IBD samples from different parts of the world, can you tell us a little bit what's the work you do here? How you, you proceed with the samples? Yes, you, you are right, Marco. We receive samples from several parts of the world, in particular in Europe. But uh, more recently, we receive also samples from uh, some countries in Africa and in Asia. And uh, in our lab, we are able to perform uh, several molecular assays with the aim to detect IBDV, but also to characterize the strain that we detected. And so in our diagnostic routine, the first uh, things that we do is uh, RT-PCR targeting the VP2. That is one of the important part of the, of the virus, of the genome because it's uh, one of the main determinants of pathogenicity and, uh, and also antigenicity. But also mm, a lot of studies were performed on this region of the genome, and so there are available a lot of sequence of this part of the virus. And so we can make a good comparison uh, between the strain that we found and the one that are circulating and published by other groups. But, uh, Furthermore, we also uh, start to sequence uh, um, the VP1 of the field virus because uh, VP1 and VP2 are uh, two different uh, parts of genome in two segments of the genome. And so having these two sequence, uh, we can uh, have a look uh, at the possible uh, reassortant event 
and so characterize better the strain. Also, in our lab, we validate some specific RT-PCR or real-time PCR for some specific strain, like the vaccine. And so these kind of tests are really useful to evaluate the vaccine coverage and the vaccine intake. Okay. Can you disclose a little bit of, to us what's the results of this work that you are doing, what you are detecting? As I told you, we received mainly the sample from Europe and looking at this data, it seems that the infectious pressure of IDBV is increasing uh, compared to what we observed in the decade ago. But uh, just to give you some number, um, we have uh, the 25% of the sample that we receive that were characterized as a field strain. You said that you are receiving most of the samples from Europe, but to have uh, from different parts of the world as well. Can we see difference between countries, between zones? Yes, of course, we observe uh, differences, uh, but also similarity uh, in some part of, uh, of uh, the Europe, for example, where we detected the um, area sortan strain in the northern and western part. And uh, this area sortan strain has a very virulent VP2 and a classical like uh, VP1. And, uh, it um, seems to cause a subclinical infection. And uh, looking at the phylogenetic analysis and phylodynamic analysis, it seems that uh, it was originated uh, recently. This strain um, is present in several countries in Europe, like UK, Denmark, Germany, France, and many other. But, uh, it uh, not spread to Italy, where we detected uh, a different strain with a very virulent VP2 and the classical like uh, VP1. And this strain seems to be correlated with the viruses detected in Russia and in the Middle East. And so we are just speaking about uh, Europe, so you can imagine looking at the epidemiology of uh, different continents, uh, the differences uh, get bigger and bigger. And this, of course, uh, pose some challenges uh, in uh, IBDV diagnosis and control. Mattia uh, said to us and uh, mentioned to us about the variant from Portugal. Uh, Matteo, I know that the group just published uh, a paper regarding that. Uh, about this new variant that was isolated in Porto. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? This research actually originated from our diagnostic activity. Since at the end of 2020, we started receiving some samples, some bursal samples from, uh, from Portugal, uh, specifically central and northern Portugal in broiler farms. And uh, in some of them, we detected some uh, typical strains whose VP2 uh, sequence uh, was different from uh, any other uh, known sequence. So, to be able to give more precise information to the field vets that requested this analysis, we decided to further characterize these strains by sequencing portions of both VP2 and VP1 based on the currently available classification systems. And uh, based on our phylogenetic analysis, these strains indeed form a, a new genotype of IBDV with uh, unique VP2 features, while the VP1 has uh, classical-like features. This is the first time this uh, um, genotype is properly described. 
but uh, from the literature there are some hints that uh, similar strains were detected at least twice between 2009 in Catalonia and 2013 in Portugal. So it seems that uh, this lineage, this genotype is uh, uh, circulating in the Iberian Peninsula for at least a decade. So Matteo, it's clear that uh, the most common form of Bumbur disease nowadays in the field is the subclinical one. Can you see correlation with what we found in the lab, in the, your research, and what we see in the field? That's a very relevant question, in my opinion. And uh, it should be clear that uh, molecular assays are not enough to properly assess the uh, pathogenicity of a given strain. A strain should be also isolated and uh, pathogenicity tests must be run in vivo, which can be lengthy and laborious. Actually, we are in the process of doing so for the Portuguese genotype, so we hope we will have some information on this important issue soon. But one, what can we say for now is that uh, despite detecting a lot of field strains in our uh, diagnostic activities, it's very rare for field vets to uh, report uh, any kind of clinical science that might be related to IB. For sure, vaccination is playing a part in uh, preventing uh, overt outbreaks of IBD, but um, I agree with you that uh, um, probably the strains circulating nowadays, which are seeing uh, the um, biggest evolutionary success in this moment, uh, are uh, strains which are associated mostly to subclinical infections. And this certainly is the case of the reassortant strains that are uh, the dominant strains in uh, Northwestern Europe, for which pathogenicity tests were already performed, uh, confirming that they are indeed mostly associated to subclinical infections, despite being still able to uh, cause immunosuppression. Okay, so I think it's really valuable information that we, when we detect something that can create some subclinical infection, that's not so clear for the vets and helping them in the proper diagnosis. That drives us to a, a, a second topic that we'd like to discuss with you. Uh, so if we want to run a monitoring to have a proper diagnosis to really understand the disease, how should we conduct it in your point of view? Well, based on what we just said, uh, with uh, most field strains currently circulating uh, being associated to subclinical infection rather than overt uh, uh, clinical outbreaks, I think that uh, investigating IBDV presence only when IBD-related signs are observed is, uh, is not enough. Uh, because obviously uh, field strains may still be present and uh, even if it uh, does not cause any sign, it may still cause immunosuppression, thus leading to vaccine failures, to secondary infections and towards productive performance, which uh, may be difficult to um, link to an IBDV infection. So I think that monitoring should be performed on a routine basis and uh, should have uh, two different aims. One is to be sure that uh, infectious pressure is not building up, and the other is uh, to ensure that the birds are always protected against uh, IBD, IBD. 
And uh, with uh, molecular assays in our lab, we are actually able to do both because we are able to detect uh, field strains whose presence obviously is not uh, uh, wanted, is not uh, desirable, even if no signs are observed. But on the other hand, we are also able to uh, detect the presence of uh, vaccine strains, whose presence obviously is wanted based on the vaccine type and the administration schedule. In addition to that, uh, serology is uh, also helpful. In some cases, it allows to discriminate uh, um, infections with feed strains and uh, uh, the normal immunological response to, to vaccination. And in general, it, uh, it allows us to, to uh, ensure that uh, uh, vaccination is done properly and uh, birds are responding properly. Mattia, associating these studies that you are conducting here and all these monitoring, it's different samples from different parts. And of course, uh, if your experience, after we have the proper diagnosis, uh, how we should control it, how we should control the, the challenge in the field? So for sure, it's important the good management and the implementation of uh, biosecurity measure. But the problem is that uh, IBDV is uh, highly contagious and uh, extremely resistant to the environment. So it's very difficult uh, to maintain out of, of the farm uh, this virus and once it enters to eliminate it. So I think that uh, the use of vaccine is the most effective uh, uh, way to control uh, um, the IBDV infection. And not just only the vaccine, so it's, it's very important to, um, to implement a good vaccination program, taking into account the vaccine type. We know that on the market there are different kinds of vaccine with different levels of safety and efficacy, so it's really important the choice of, of the vaccine, but also the vaccine administration, both at the hatchery and uh, in the field. So it's really important to have a high coverage of the birds. And to close our really nice conversation today, uh, I would like to, to ask for both of you if we need to advise a vet in the field regarding boom ball control, what would be your advice? So in my point of view is the, to not uh, underestimate uh, this disease, because uh, as Matteo said before, you cannot observe clinical science. And so it's really important to make a routine monitoring activity in order to evaluate if in the field are circulating uh, a virus. And if it's present, it's really important to evaluate the zootechnical performances in order to understand if uh, this virus, first of all, is able to cause some problem to your flock. And secondary, as uh, an indirect way to understand if the vaccination is efficacious or not. And of course, finally, I think that the use of routine vaccination is the only way to prevent and control IBDV. So I would like to thank you for receiving me in, the, in your lab here in uh, Padova University and to have this really nice conversation and of course, adding a lot of content to our audience so that people understand not just what you do here in diagnosis and receiving samples from different parts of the world, publications, adding scientific basis for the boom board control, but as well sharing your expertise and knowledge. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Thank you. Thank you to have, to have you here. Thank you to, to watch us in this new episode. It was really a special episode for us. And 
Keep in touch. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and don't forget to follow us so you can listen to our next episode.